Hey, Nerd Herders, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I discuss the season two premiere of Chuck, Chuck versus the first date. Uh, before we dive in, I did want to give one of my patented disclaimers. Uh, I'm not sure what happened with my microphone on this episode, so I may sound a little wonky at points. Uh, I think the episode is still listenable, and I think you will enjoy it. Uh, and I am also pleased to report that the episodes following this one are of much higher audio quality. So once again, I'm sorry if I sound a little garbly, and I'm really looking forward to having you guys check out the following episodes of this, where I think you will be pleased with how clear and crisp they are. In the meantime, make sure to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com so we can give you a shout-out on the air. Follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast, and make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and don't forget to like and subscribe and write a review, because we would love to hear from you. Until then, here we go! Okay, sorry. We will, <laughs> we will chuck you. <laughs> Come on, everybody. We will, we will chuck you. Go no, chuck no, no, yourself no, 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 season no. two. Here we are. Against all odds, we have made it here. Back at it. Here we are again. What the hell is going on, Aaron Arata? Uh, I'm, I'm recording this episode. That's about it. All right, cool. My name's Chris Gillespie. That's Aaron Arada. We're here for Go Chuck Yourself Season 2. That's why we're here. That's what we do. It's our thing. That's what we do. Welcome back. Here we are again. Said that ten times already, but it's true. <laughs> Excited to be back. Still true. Season 2. Man. Seems like just the other day we were doing Season 1, and now we're doing Season 2. Wow. How time How time flies. How many, times, how many more times can I say Season 2 in one episode? Season 2. Let's have a counter. Just really Ding. let it... Ding. Really let it sink in. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's pretty exciting. It's exciting that we have made it this far. It's exciting that Chuck made it this far because I, uh, based on the reviews that I've seen of people uh, watching it in real time, there were there was some doubt whether or not it was going to make it. Oh, really? I mean, just just among people, not among the staff at NBC. I think they were pretty clear on that they wanted it to continue, but mm-hmm. people were not sure. It, well, that- it does seem like the kind of show that would get axed pretty early. <laughs> like, it's no rains, but... Hey, hey, too soon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, in an alternate universe, we're doing Go Rain Yourself right now. I know. Well, it's, it could still happen. We did discuss it. One of these days, I'm going to make it happen. Saving it for, wait for <laughs> it, wait for it, a rainy day. Oh, okay. I knew it was coming, and I still, I still wasn't ready. I'm going to catch you off guard one of these days. I'm going to review Reigns and be like, this is what we're doing. Put your Chuck notes away. We're doing Reigns. It'll be really fun, especially if I haven't seen the episode. Absolutely. But you have seen this episode. It's Chuck versus the first date, the premiere of season two uh, after the first season, which was cut short because of the Writers Guild of America strike. The first uh, season, yes, it was cut short, but then the second season was renewed for a full 22 episode pickup. And they were going to do the full 22 episodes. Initially, with season one, they were also going to do 22 episodes, but they couldn't. So this time around, they're back at it. They're doing 22 episodes, and we're going to be covering all of them. God help us. So do you have anything to help us get in the mindset of what was going on when Chuck season two premiered in terms of the production or the viewing audience at home? Um, I do have some information on the uh, production staff for this episode specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first episode since Chuck vs. the Helicopter to be written by the creators Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedak. I don't know how you say his name. I'm sorry, Chris. Fedak. Um, Fedak. That sounds, that sounds right. I got your feedback. Oh, my fee, my feedback is that I did not pronounce Fedak correctly. Well, I was saying I got your, like, back. I wasn't oh, saying it's, okay. All yeah. right. Well, it's, I, it's with a D, so. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, right, the, your joke your joke was bad. So this uh this episode was also directed by Jason Ensler, who um I happened to find out that he directed this episode of Chuck. 
He directed Chuck versus the Imported Hard Salami, and he directed Chuck versus the Tango. Those Ooh. are his three Chuck credits, and uh, not to uh, get ahead of myself, but these are my three favorite episodes of Chuck. So if you listen to our last episode, you will see that we both liked those previous two episodes, and uh, I like this one as well. So good on you, Jason Ensler. He he got out while he was ahead, I guess. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, he yeah. if he directed two of our perennial favorites, I would say that perhaps we are in for a treat with this particular episode as well. Yeah, I guess we will uh, find out. Interesting. I didn't know. I wouldn't have imagined that they were directed all by the same person. Let's get into it. All right, let's do it. All right, so this episode begins with a very large and imposing man named Mr. Colt. He uh, is hanging Chuck off of a building by his tie, which I, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the human body. I don't know a lot about fabric, but I think that's a very strong tie and potentially a very strong neck to be uh, supporting Chuck as he dangles off a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colt is demanding that Chuck hand over something called the cipher, which is currently in Chuck's hands, and begs the question: Why doesn't Colt just take it from him? He could just—he <laughs> could just—it's—it's it's right there. He could just take it. But while this is happening, we get a nice little recap of Chuck's journey so far with the Intersect. We get some insight into who everyone is, in case we've forgotten since last season. We see some clips of the previous season, specifically of Sarah being beautiful and fighting, during which Chuck quips, Believe me, I know. So do we, Chuck. Then we see some clips of Casey, and Chuck says, He's not as pretty. So apparently, Chuck talking shit about Casey will continue into season two. Apparently, Casey will also continue talking shit about Chuck, so it's a reciprocal relationship, because he and Sarah burst in to save Chuck from Colt, and Casey shouts, Let the geek go! Yeah, so was was Cobra Style playing in this scene? I'm not as an I'm not as expert on Cobra Style as you, but it sounded like the song that plays in the first episode. Oh, I didn't notice it. I don't think okay. it was Cobra well, Style. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Cobra Style. I think I would have made note of that. I think you would have known. Yes. Sarah asks Chuck why he didn't stay in the car, and Chuck says it's never safe in the car. Which I don't know if that's actually the case that anything happened to him in the car, but I do um, like that sentiment. I think it is kind of usually not safe in the car, so uh, good, good Chuck. Fortunately, they recover the cipher, but unfortunately, Colt fall- jumps, falls off the building, and he escapes. He's he's out of there. Mm-hmm. So later in a meeting, Beckman and Graham, which is the guy who we never remember his name and will not remember his name again, but Beckman and Graham reveal that the CIA has been working on a new intersect, which we as the audience already know, Chuck, however, did not know this, so clearly excited, he asks what will happen to him once the new intersect is finished. Beckman tells Chuck that he'll be a free man and he can go off and do whatever he wants. Of course, we as the audience know that they're actually planning to have Casey murder Chuck, so I think this is very heartless and they shouldn't have said anything. I don't know why. I guess he asked and they're keeping their cover, but, like, why get his hopes up when they're gonna... They know they're gonna kill him! They got my hopes up because I was thinking... (laughs) Obviously, from the Christmas episode, they end with Beckman telling Casey that he's going to have to yeah. kill Chuck when the Intersect 2.0 comes around. And yeah. then when I saw this, I was thinking, oh, maybe Beckman had a change of heart. And she's no, deciding that not, she's just going to let Chuck go. Yeah. And I was completely fooled yeah. for a moment. And then <laughs> Chuck and Sarah leave the meeting. And then uh, Beckman calls Casey separately. It was like, yo, we got to talk. I was wondering, do, like, why do you think Sarah doesn't suspect this? Like, she seems sometimes to not trust the government agencies, but this time she seems, like, pretty much to believe that they're letting him go. Yeah, she doesn't seem to have any reservations about it. That's good. Why point. don't you think, why do, why do you think they don't tell her? Do you think they know, do you think it's just for plot reasons? Or do you think that <laughs> they actually don't, like, think that Sarah could handle it? I don't know. Yeah, it might just be for plot reasons that it's more dramatic if Casey has the information. Yeah, I guess Casey's more of a wild card, too, because, Uh like, he he's more serious and he has kind of a more antagonistic relationship with Chuck. Mm -hmm. It would be pretty heartbreaking if it was Sarah, though, but I guess then we couldn't have, like, the romantic tension. I don't know, but it is is pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. So moving on from that, we get a really nice moment between Sarah and Chuck where she tells him he can do anything he wants. Specifically, she says, anything you wanted, you could have. And Chuck makes a face like, does that include you? (laughs) I think it does. It might. Um, Then we move into the credits, which I'm going to make a note of only because Mark Christopher Lawrence, Vic Sahay, 
Scott Krinsky, Julia Lang, and Ryan McPartland are now added to the opening credits. They're in there. They got little uh, silhouettes of their faces, little little drawings. They're looking good. Their names are on the credits. They are official characters. That's right. Welcome aboard, everyone. So Chuck wakes up the following morning on top of the world. We get a fun scene where he's very excited about his new life potential. He jumps around on his bed, and then he goes into the bathroom. I'm really unclear on the mechanics of this scene because there's like a very awkward thing where he walks in, he's brushing his teeth, and then he sees that Ellie and Devin are in the shower together. I don't know why he didn't notice. Like, I know he's on top of the world, he's excited, but why didn't he notice that the shower was on? Presumably it's steamy, there's sound. He also says later that the door wasn't locked, but that implies that it was closed. So, what? like, I, I find this all suspect. Well, he's blasting Huey Lewis, and he's That's just in his own little world. <laughs> That's fair. I guess it, ha- it happens to the best of us. I did appreciate um, Ellie and Austin being in the shower. I thought that was funny. Caught it was guard. kind of funny. Um, so Chuck sees Devin's dick and congratulates him on it. That was nice. And then at <laughs> breakfast, Chuck is eating a cereal called Nuts and More, which I thought was an amazing, incredible joke. Yes, I noticed that as well. Yeah, very good. I would like to uh, note here that I have a new appreciation for the transitional B-roll used in Chuck. I don't know. Um, I don't know why why it's now specifically, but I have been picking out in various shows that I watch that are set in LA. I have been picking out little scenes and being like, "That's that's me. That's where I live. This is this is the scene for me to feel included." And I I do feel included. It's very nice. I saw some Echo Park. I saw some. Uh, I don't know, one of the highways. It was great. I'm glad that they were able to uh, present the B-roll in a way that caters to people that live in such a niche town as Los yeah. Angeles. Yep. Such an really, underrepresented really nice. city. Yeah, you don't see a lot of L.A. on, on the screen, so it's really nice. To, no, uh, yeah, L.A., yeah. check it out sometime. Yeah. You haven't heard of it. <laughs> I wanted to point out in the breakfast scene that uh, Captain Awesome refers to Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, who I did, not, was... I did not know that was a thing in 2008, or he was a thing. Yeah, apparently I was I was surprised by that too. Um, in the context of this this reference, Chuck is saying that he's he refers to having met someone who turned him on his head and made him think it's time to get a real job and a real apartment. I guess now that he thinks that he's not going to be having an intersect anymore, he wants to uh, have a new lease on life and really live up to his potential. Following some of the B-roll I mentioned, Chuck walks into the Buy More like a new man, which is basically how I feel whenever I walk into the Walmart I worked in until I run into an old coworker. Run into an old coworker, Chuck does. Or a current coworker. It's Morgan. Whatever. Morgan's still there. Morgan still exists. I'm sure we're all happy to see him. I do want to note that his hair looks better this season. Did you think his hair looked good? Yeah, I think his hair looked better, and I think he also lost weight. All right, well... He was looking a little bit more trim. <laughs> Which was like, yeah, good for him. He's, yeah, he's hitting the gym, maybe. Or yeah. all, all that Call of Duty. Maybe he, uh, from some, uh... <laughs> from neglecting to eat because he's playing so much Call of Duty. Yeah, Which is yeah, featured is... prominently in this episode through product placement. It is featured placement. prominently in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. That's, yeah, that's fair. But in this episode, it is. Um, yes. he, Morgan has some kind of blueprints, which, uh, later I found out what this was all about. But honestly, I tuned him out immediately. But they uh, have something to do with Call of Duty. He's he's made a plan for beating some type some type of campaign. Is that what they're called? Maybe I didn't know if it was a campaign mode or if it was like online multiplayer. I was assuming it was online multiplayer. And then I was okay. like, how do you make a blueprint anticipating what people are going to be doing in a video game? It's not like it's some kind of conventional like warfare. I don't know. It didn't make sense. Yeah, uh, I don't know if life works this way, but uh, the episode works this way. <laughs> yes. So Chuck decides to take this moment to thank Casey for his service and say that he's really <laughs> going to miss him. It's a really heartfelt moment, which is ironic because we obviously know Casey's planning to fucking wreck Chuck later tonight. <laughs> uh, Casey is kind of awkward due to this uh, knowledge of his, so he tells Chuck he has to go and help a single white female pining for the Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Just, just a really good line that I like. <laughs> I also, I did notice her in the background because there's like a woman who's like looking at, I think it's like a washer dryer or refrigerator or something. She's like looking at it, and I was like, wow, it's kind of weird that they're like showing her so prominently. Nothing gets by you. We learn that the assistant manager job is open again since Harry left to be on whatever show he left to be on. I don't remember. Dexter. Uh, Dexter. Yes. Um, so Big Mike offers the job to Chuck. He asks if Chuck wants it, and Chuck says no. I thought we were going to get a lot more of Chuck being wishy-washy about this, so 
I'm, I was excited that uh, we get an answer pretty soon. Chuck is tasked with interviewing the other store employees who are interested, which seems to be solely made up of Jeff and Lester and sort of Anna. I don't, I'm not really clear on why they're not like posting it to like, because Big Mac says he doesn't want to hire anyone from the store. So that's fine. But I don't know why they don't like open it to outside candidates if Big Mike's not interviewing anyone anyway. And then last time when they were hiring the assistant manager position and Harry Tang got hired, they had the district manager come in on Halloween to interview them. That's this not time happening around, this time. Yeah, it's just like, Chuck. Uh, doesn't matter. We don't need the district manager to come in. We can just have yeah. Chuck do it. Unfortunately, uh, much like the district manager, the Wienerlicious is no more. No. It's been re- it's been, I know. It was It was a tragedy. It has been replaced by Orange Orange, uh, which hey, is a... Hey, Orange Orange. How's it going? <laughs> when I was looking up... Uh, this is a little insight into my life, but I was looking into Etsy art for Chuck. Because <laughs> um, I thought it, it might be nice to have like a little uh, Chuck art on my wall. Yes. And they did not have any Wienerlicious memorabilia, but they do have a lot of Orange Orange memorabilia. Interesting. They have like some Art Deco Orange Orange posters. So if you're in the market for that kind of thing, hit up Etsy. Kind of. I yeah. will give Orange Orange a chance. I, you know, it's kind of hard to leave Wienerlicious behind, but I'll, I'll give Orange Orange a chance and see if we can establish a strong relationship with the Orange Orange brand, the Orange actually... Orange family of products. I'm thinking about the name of Orange Orange here because I, when I first like saw it, um, I was kind of thinking it was a dumb name, but now I'm thinking maybe it's playing off of like, like red mango and like all the, all the various like color and then fruit names. It's actually kind of funny because it's like an orange orange. What is red mango? Red mango is, you, you live in New York. It's a froyo chain in New York. Like there's like pink berry, there's red mango. Never heard of red mango. Okay, well. But pink berry, look, that's look something around. I understand. Yes. Look so around, look around. Oh, no, look stop. at all the frozen yogurt places. <laughs> yeah, that you're a regular Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes. So do you think, well, I guess I should explain what the orange orange is. It has replaced the Wienerlicious and Sarah wearing kind of like a Baywatch outfit. Like it was, it's like an orange tank top that just <laughs> looks like basically a bathing suit. Um <laughs> She works there now. It's uh, in the same location as the Wienerlicious, but it's now a Froyo place. And uh, Sarah, again, seems to be the sole employee and proprietor. So do you think that she's like, she's just changed the Wienerlicious? Do you think she's still the boss? Do you think she had to hire a new fake boss? What do you think is going on here? So she did not renew. She must have had some kind of franchisee lease Mm -hmm. with Wienerlicious. So she must have not renewed that lease and decided okay. to do a lease of Orange Orange. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I, but think, then, I think that makes sense. Why wouldn't you keep Scooter on board for Orange I don't Orange? Know. Sco- well, because Scooter went off to be in his dance production or whatever we decided. <laughs> He's busy. He's that's busy. a random reference, but yes. He knew too much. I think he just knew too yeah, much. Yeah, that's and fair. You maybe couldn't he was have killed. Him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe Casey took him out. Oh, no. <laughs> So we get a fun scene of Sarah sexily whipping up some yogurt for a customer. It was really nice to see her working, but then she gets some froyo on her finger and licks it off, which is the most unsanitary thing I've ever seen. I don't know why she's not wearing gloves. Or I don't a know, like, oh my god, it was so gross. Was, I horrible. <laughs> Chuck uh, visits Sarah in the Orange Orange, and he asks her on a real date before she goes off on her next mission, never to see him again. Mm-hmm. And she says yes. It was kind of a sweet moment, and I was excited for the uh, the first date of the episode's title. I guess that's what it's referring to. Yes, it was very exciting. Yes. Yeah. This is lots of positive vibes in this episode of Chuck. Yeah. We get another getting ready sequence where we actually see Chuck shirtless, so I thought that was pretty exciting. Hey, yo. He's, he's a very hairy man. <laughs> very hairy. <I> know. <laughs> really hairy. So I was excited by this specific element until we also see Sarah in her underwear, which I guess is equitable, but again, really unnecessary. Um, she's putting on makeup in her underwear, which I thought was absurd, because how would she get her clothes on after without smudging her makeup? But she puts on her dress from the legs up, so I guess that's how. Kind of insane. I don't know anyone who gets dressed like that, but I don't know. Fine. Casey's contribution to this scene is practicing shooting with a bunch of, I don't really know the (laughs) word for this, but it's like pictures that drop down from his fireplace, like a shooting range exercise kind of thing. 
He has a picture of Bin Laden, who I hadn't seen on a television screen in a while and was very alarmed to see. <laughs> um, he has a picture of Hitler. Mm-hmm. Then he has a picture of Ronald Reagan, who we establish here that uh, is someone who Casey really cares for a lot. He, uh, like, I guess, like, essentially places his hand on his heart and was, is like, I would never shoot you, sir. <laughs> uh, then, a, then a picture of Chuck shows up. So Chuck is uh, in the company of uh, Bin Laden and Hitler as uh, a picture that Casey shoots. But then he is unable to shoot Chuck directly. He misses. That's right? true. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we get that. And then before his day with Sarah, Ellie demands that Chuck tell her what he wants to do with his life, which is weird considering that he first told her he was making a life plan that morning. But Ellie's, Ellie's really into the idea. Ellie's a doctor. She doesn't mess around with her life plan. <laughs> That's true. I wanted to point out that in this date, Opposed to the first first date that Chuck and Sarah had, Chuck, I think, has a much nicer shirt this time around. I think he's put in a little bit more effort. Has a little bit more care. Looks like a higher quality shirt than the first time. I didn't like the first I, shirt. I like the shirt. I didn't notice the shirt, which is usually a good sign. Um, he does have some shirts that I do not like in this episode, but I guess this was not one of them because I did not notice it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Yeah. So then Chuck and Sarah go on their date. And Casey's left alone brooding in his apartment. And a messenger yes. comes to Casey's door. And after a brief exchange, Casey hands the cipher, which they got from Mr. Colt, to the messenger to presumably bring it to Beckman after they exchange kind of like a code word. Uh, the messenger, just like all delivery people in the Burbank area, is not an actual <laughs> messenger and is instead a counteroperative who knocks Casey down with a poisonous gas. You just really can't trust delivery people in Burbank or in your case, Los Angeles, I would never give anything to anyone who purports to be a courier of any sort, <laughs> any kind of messenger. Uh, I, you know, I love the postal service, but maybe even not mailmen. <laughs> Definitely not swarm of people. Yeah, I really think um, the the writers of Chuck just have some kind of a beef <laughs> with the delivery services. Some kind of vendetta. You just really can't yeah. trust them. So then the delivery guy, who was not really a delivery guy, goes back to Mr. Colt, who is performed by uh, is played by Michael Clark Duncan. Did, did yes, you mention that yes. at the top? I didn't um, mention that. So please. so Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace. Uh, and then after receiving the cipher from the delivery guy, Mr. Colt says that they have two more targets. Guess who they are? Who are they? They're Chuck and Sarah, goddammit. Oh, shit. <laughs> so Chuck picks Sarah up, has no idea that he's a target for this hitman, and they go on the date, and Sarah makes a conscious choice to leave her gun behind. She just wants to go on a normal date for once. She just wants to be relaxed and not think about her spy life, so that means no gun. No gun. I always, choice, Sarah. I always have my gun on me. I'm wearing my gun right now. Who knows <laughs> what's going to go on? I can see it, down. yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big gun, huh? So, can, I, uh, can I offer two words for you about these this uh, sequence of scenes? Only two, no more, two. no less. The two words are gad and jits. There are gadgets galore. Casey's got a gadget. He's got a gadget that he can scan people to see if they have weapons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the bike messenger, we do find out, has a gadget as well. He yeah, can, uh, Casey was can... really fooled by the the messenger guy. Yeah, I don't know why his gadget couldn't see the poison gas thing. <laughs> that the but I, I don't know. It says he has a little scanning system that says uh, no weapons. But I really like. I was we haven't seen a ton of like gadgets in action so far. So mm-hmm. I like that we're starting off season two having like some some cool spy tech. Not since uh, the Chuck versus was it the Sandworm with uh, what's his face the guy that was the. The gadget maker. Yeah, that was there was and, that, and then I think there was a gadget in Chuck versus the Wookiee when they like use it to break into the guy's safe. Mm-hmm. But there's there hasn't been that many, so I was excited to see a couple. Well, I was excited to see a couple, specifically <laughs> the couple of Chuck and Sarah who are at a dumpling restaurant. Mm-hmm. Per per Morgan's recommendation, much to Sarah's surprise, Chuck says yeah, she was a little she was. Considering she was eating the food, she seemed a little dubious. Like, she was like, oh, this place is really good. And then Chuck was like, this is Morgan's recommendation. And Sarah was like, ew, really? Like, Oh, that's... you would 100% have the same exact reaction okay, if you were true. at a restaurant yeah, and then you found right. out that Morgan recommended it. Yeah. Uh, Chuck says, whoa, no faith in the little bearded man. <laughs> that is what Morgan is. Uh, Chuck points out that Morgan has always been supportive of his and Sarah's fake relationship and has never once doubted the fact that Chuck... Uh, could date a woman like Sarah. Morgan doesn't think that there's anything weird about it. Chuck thinks it's weird, but Morgan just believes in Chuck and thinks that he can date someone like Sarah. Chuck has a lot of self-esteem issues that he's working through. 
It's nice. I um I like Morgan Moore when he's not on screen and other people are describing him. <laughs> he sounds like a supportive friend and he likes dumplings. That's great. I just don't like when I have to look at him. He has a lot of positive things going for him and also sometimes not so positive, but maybe he's turning a new leaf. Anyhow, Hopefully. Chuck showers Sarah with compliments and then Sarah says that Chuck is fantastic. and They're having a heart to heart. It seems really sincere. Chuck rhetorically asks, so what would Casey do if he knew we were doing this? Referring to the date to which Sarah jokingly responds, it would probably kill him. Hard cut to Casey dying because of okay, the poisonous gas. Okay, this was gas. so intense. <laughs> it was so this intense. It was so intense. It was awesome. It was, I really appreciated the juxtaposition between Chuck and Sarah's nice date to how intense Casey dying <laughs> is in his apartment. I thought it was awesome. Casey is covered in this poisonous powder and he's writhing around on his floor like coughing up blood, struggling. And like, so much blood. I've seen the show before, and I think Casey still might die in this episode. <laughs> uh, coughing up blood with no choice, he breaks his framed portrait of Ronald Reagan, and that hoses not so much an antidote, but a button to activate an emergency washout shower in his mm-hmm. ceiling. So he presses the button, water pours on him, rinses out the poison from his mouth of his face. He also gets like an EpiPen and like stabs mm. it into his heart. Yeah, he has, like, the adrenaline shot. Yeah. He, yeah, shoots into his chest. So it's crazy. He's recovering. It's intense. It's crazy. I really appreciate that, because I feel like a lot of times they do the big action stuff, but they don't have small, tiny, dramatic, tense action moments yeah. like that. It goes good. It was so, good. Back at the restaurant, Chuck and Sarah are about to share a romantic kiss. Can I actually interrupt you for one second about the romantic kiss? Uh, sure. So... Chuck and Sarah, uh, before this kiss, they're discussing her impending departure from Burbank, and she asks what he's saying, whatever he's saying, and he says, what I've always wanted to say, and then immediately he goes to kiss her, which is, that's a word crime. He's not saying anything by kissing her. His his mouth is moving in a different way. Words are not coming out, and I was not having that. Bad line. Bad writing. Perhaps you've never heard the expression, actions speak louder than words. No, I haven't. Is that an expression? It is an expression. And I want wow. You to, I want you to think about it, and I want you to write a 1,000-word essay about what you think that means and have it on my desk by the end of the week. All right. Uh, thank you, Professor Gillespie. I will, uh, I will do that. You're welcome. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> so they're about to kiss, but then all of a sudden Chuck flashes on all of the other customers and I guess all of the other staff at the restaurant. Uh, turns out it's industry night for international gun traffickers <laughs> and assassins. Chuck freaks out. Seriously, there could not be more bad guys in this restaurant. Oh, wait. Yes, there can be. Mr. Colt enters, uh, not to be confused with someone named Mr. Cold or Mr. Freeze. He's Mr. Colt. <laughs> I thought they were calling him Mr. Cold at first. C-O-L-D, that would be a pretty cool name. Which I was like, yeah, he seems pretty cold. Uh, yeah. No, but he's just Mr. Colt. Chuck kind of freaks out and then kind of defaults to thinking that Sarah will get them out of their predicament. But Sarah reveals that she does not have her gun. Mr. Colt says that Chuck and Sarah need to come with him. And they're kind of freaking out and mr colt says that he doesn't really care about chuck and sarah but his boss has told him to get them and his boss has given him the heebie-jeebies so he grabs sarah sarah's trying to get away and attack him uh at this point chuck's watch starts beeping and then they see a crown vic speeding towards the restaurant window casey crashes through the window in one of his signature ten thousand (laughs) dollar crown vics knocking out all of the bad guys it was awesome it was great the game was really awesome gets in the car after demolishing this potentially fake restaurant it must be a real restaurant and all of the staff was either killed or kidnapped so all the bad guys could come <laughs> yeah. uh so i guess it's no longer a restaurant physically yeah, or in terms of a business perspective so sarah chuck and casey get back into the crown vic and they reverse out of there peel out and escape casey reveals that he'd lost the cipher so there's a lot up in the air dun, chuck, dun, dun. chuck woke up thinking that today was going to be a good day chuck realizes that without the cipher He's still going to be the Intersect, and he's still going to have to live the spy life, which he's not too excited about. So Chuck wakes up the next morning, still listen to Huey Lewis, a little bit of a different Huey Lewis song. Uh, he's in a daze. We listen to The Power of Love before it was hip to be a square when he was happy. Now it's The Power of Love, which... They're hard... still happy. They're both happy songs. Yeah, but Chuck's not happy. Chuck is Yeah, I guess it's out. the juxtaposition. He's going through his day kind of on autopilot, bummed out that he's still the Intersect. He goes to the Buy More for work. He's zoning out when Morgan reminds him of the 
the B plot line <laughs> of Chuck being tasked with interviewing candidates for the, the new assistant manager position. I forgot about this plot line after the, <laughs> the action at the Chinese restaurant. Chuck tries to hire Morgan for the job, but Morgan turns it down, saying that he just recently perfected his ability to do no work while at work. I respect I that. Kind of, yeah, I respect that, too. I think that was like a very uh, mature of Morgan to know what he wants. And also, if you reach that kind of equilibrium with like, hey, this is I found the exact way that I can do the least amount of work possible while still maintaining my job. You know, that's hard. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. So Chuck dives right into interviewing the members of the nerd herd. Uh, it's a montage. Anna deliberately flirts with Chuck to make Morgan sweat. Which was really weird. Really weird. No really indication to where Morgan and Anna are in their relationship. No, but not at Anna all. just wanted to torture Morgan. Jeff hands in a napkin with a note uh, written in red Sharpie pen as his resume. <laughs> and then he tries to flirt with Chuck and play footsies with Chuck, which Chuck does not have. Uh, incidentally, a napkin covered in red Sharpie. Not the worst resume I've ever seen working what, in retail. What is? Uh, what have you seen? <laughs> Don't worry about it. So then, uh, the flip side of that, Lester created his own Wikipedia page for himself, which he then printed and handed in, which I think is actually pretty impressive. I would appreciate that's a bold that. move. He knows how to work Wikipedia, yeah. so that's nice. It's I don't no know if it's relevant to buy more, but no small feat creating a page on Wikipedia. But if you're able to do it and then hand it in as a resume, I would, you know, I would hire him. I'd say yeah. There's a um, there's a plot line in the newsroom where they establish that as. As an individual, you are not allowed to edit information on Wikipedia about yourself. Interesting. So I don't know if uh, that th that rule was not established in this at this time, or if uh, this is a anachronism by the writers of Chuck. But either way, I don't know. I'll uh, still, touch base with my good. Wikipedia friends because I don't yeah. have so much money. You do donate, yeah. So Lester does a bad Godfather impression, Pretty and Chuck bad. says, uh, "We work at the Buy More, not the Mafia." Immediately before Casey walks in icing his jaw with one hand and slamming Morgan into a wall with another. Creating I love a, that. A very mafia-esque environment. <laughs> Chuck flashes on the ring printed on Casey's face from where he got punched the night before and suddenly knows where the bad guy's hideout is just from that one ring print alone. Who said the intersect wasn't convenient? Who said? I never said that. Chuck tells Casey that he wants them to find Mr. Colt immediately and get the cipher back so he can stop being the intersect and continue with his life which he is very optimistic for. Casey tells him that optimism is dangerous because the future doesn't always go as planned. Ain't that the Ooh. truth, Casey? <laughs> Casey then exits to make a secret phone call. Chuck passes the hiring duties onto Morgan and heads over to Orange Orange, where Casey and Sarah are prepping to hijack the bad guys at the location that Chuck flashed on. Sarah and Casey won't let Chuck join them and tell him to go back to work. Chuck says the buy more doesn't need him because Morgan has everything under control. Cut to Morgan hosting a cage-fighting, bungee-jumping-style brawl in the technology room, or the technology cage, uh, to determine the new assistant manager. Uh, to I liked that. Envision this. Uh, Morgan is talking to a microphone and is introducing uh, Jeff and Lester, who are strapped into bungee-jumping things, little harnesses, and they're well, bouncing yeah, around the cage, fighting each other. Uh, apparently, that is something that Morgan knows how to wrangle together and produce. So good for I, him. Yeah, good good on Morgan. I thought this was kind of charming. It was kind of a nice cut. And I also like, I don't know, it looked kind of fun. I wouldn't do that. that I did not think you'd have that reaction to that, but that's okay. <laughs> Casey and Sarah are with the SWAT team storming the hideout that Chuck told them to check out, but it's completely empty. Okay, I have one thing about this. Mm -hmm. the, everyone, the entire SWAT team has helmets on. But Casey and Sarah don't. They're the only people in this, like, 40-person crew that just don't have helmets. Their heads just aren't protected. Did, <laughs> did they think we wouldn't recognize them if they had helmets? I absolutely would not have recognized them. I'd be so confused if, I, if they cut <laughs> like, to the who, scene of, who is that? of a dozen SWAT people all wearing helmets. I'd be like, these are new characters. Who are they? We need to introduce them. What's going on? Who's that one that looks like Casey? Who's that one that looks like Sarah? <laughs> Who's that one with long blonde hair? You yeah. don't know. Anytime, I feel like with movies or games or TV shows, when characters are in gunfights and they're not wearing helmets, I'm like, why? Why not? Yeah. Right? Would a helmet even just help wear you a helmet. if you got shot in the head? I don't know. I mean, probably not, but it's it's weird that <laughs> they don't have them. They're just so cool and swift. They don't need helmets. Just That's like true. people who ride bikes without helmets. Wow. Listeners always, cool people. always wear a helmet when riding a bicycle. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, <laughs> always wear your helmet. Always wear your helmet. So, anywhere, where, where were we? All right, so Chuck is sent out on a nerd herd call who asks specifically for Chuck. 
Chuck, for whatever reason, still thinks that this is a normal thing for the nerd herd to do, even though every time this has happened in season one, it means that he's going to be ambushed by someone who knows how to take advantage of the nerd herd. Uh, So Chuck arrives at a warehouse, still thinking it's a technical call, and guess what? It's Mr. Colt who called him. What a surprise. God damn it, Chuck. Didn't they see, like, in the order form when they're like, oh, what's the appointment for? Oh, it's for one Mr. Colt. Oh, okay. In a warehouse. Maybe he's having issues with his computer. I can go fix them and he won't want to kill me. Yeah. Uh, Chuck is welcomed into their den of uh, henchmen and Mr. Colt. Mr. Colt casually stretches uh, and explains that he will be breaking Chuck's neck. uh, Violent. He wants to to be limber for that uh, because Chuck saw his face and heard his voice. Therefore, Chuck is no longer safe uh, and Chuck cannot live because Mr. Colt can't have anyone knowing who he is. Much like Scooter. He reassures Chuck, uh, if that is his real name, that he will not be saved and that he will be dying, to which Chuck has a crisis, uh, understandably so, before hatching a plan, convince Mr. Colt that he is actually a real spy and that this was all part of Chuck's master plan, his master Call of Duty plan, that is. Oh. So he starts just, he channels all this confidence and pretends to be Carmichael. And tries to, uh, I guess, bluff his way out of this and psych out Mr. Colt and his team by saying that there's uh, henchmen SWAT teams outside of the building. The henchmen look out the window. They don't see any SWAT teams. So Chuck calls Morgan and has Morgan recount the tactical plan over speakerphone. Morgan thinks that they're talking about Call of Duty. Chuck knows that they're talking about Call of Duty. Somehow, Mr. Colt is now even more afraid and threatened that he hears someone on the phone talking about their strategic plan. Yeah, well, it's a second party. So he's like, well, I have to believe it now because two people are saying the same thing. I know, but like, what if you're a spy, you're going to call someone and be like, hold on, let me verify with the other secret top agents. <laughs> like, hey, what were we going to do today? What was that secret plan? Oh, this secret plan? Yeah, that one. Can you just recount it for the bad guys? Oh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, Mr. Colt probably could have just killed Chuck there and saved himself a lot of time, but instead he listened to the entire phone call and just freaked out. Um, yeah, he was he was worried. I don't know what you want me to say. So in a panic, Mr. Colt freaks out, thinking that he's surrounded and that this is the end. He turns his back to Chuck. Meanwhile, Chuck grabs the cipher and runs away. Yes, he does. So Chuck, uh, with the cipher, nearly makes it to the warehouse exit when Colt returns to throw Chuck out a window. <laughs> Chuck flies out the window so hard. Like I get Colt is very strong, but like it was it was intense. And I was surprised he wasn't like seriously injured and or impaled on the very real shards of glass all around him. This was one of three times during this episode that in my initial notes for myself, I made reference to various Spider-Man movies. The uh, scene in the restaurant when Casey uh, drives his car through reminded me of the scene in Spider-Man that was or Spider-Man 2 that was in the trailer where like Peter and Mary Jane are like about to kiss and then like a, a car flies through the window. A little different, but I did think of Spider-Man. Yeah, like with Dr. Um, Octopus, yeah. Yeah, then I thought of Dr. Octopus again here because his wife gets killed by some flying glass. So, mm-hmm. you know, another one. Uh, the next one is coming up, but we're not quite there yet. Colt, uh, instead of just taking the cyber from Chuck, like Chuck is stunned on the ground surrounded by glass, but instead of uh, just taking the cipher. Colt takes the time to carry Chuck up uh, to the top of the fire escape and dangle him off by his ankles to, again, convince him to hand over the cipher. Like, that is in Chuck's hand. I don't know why Colt is uh, putting so much energy into this, but... He, he just really likes windows and rooftops and dangling people. I think is, he does. I think he's into that. the most subtle, clean way to kill someone is by hanging them off of a rooftop and then dropping them. It's a really yes, good way is. if you're trying to be an, a secret uh, assassin. It's a good yep. way. Yeah. Sarah and Casey show up. Um, Sarah specifically shows up on the roof and tells Colt to freeze. Colt refuses and just drops Chuck from the fire escape. Sarah screams, no, with some genuine emotion, unlike how I just read that line. No. No. <laughs> uh, sorry, Aaron, we're not going to be able to cast you as the role of Sarah Walker and Chuck. God damn it. <laughs> All my dreams. No, Chuck. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fortunately, Casey is on one of the lower parts of the fire escape and catches Chuck by the wrist. Ooh, yeah, this reminded crazy. me of a, a different Spider-Man movie in which uh, Gwen dies because uh, Peter tries to save her <laughs> in this kind of way. 
I'm obviously not a doctor, but I do think Chuck would have like at least dislocated his shoulder <laughs> or his wrist or something. But well, once again, least, you're not a doctor, so you don't know. I'm anything. not a doctor, so I wouldn't know. Uh, Sarah, thinking that Chuck has just fallen to his death, is full of rage, and she fights Colt. He's a lot bigger than her, but she does hold her own. Meanwhile, the rescued Chuck tells Casey he loves him, which was nice. Another good moment between them. I'm going to pause and just say to uh, all the executives of Warner Brothers that are listening to the show, obviously Chuck is a Warner Brothers production, Warner Brothers friends. I need that that fighting game. The Chuck fighting game <laughs> needs to happen. Look at the scene. Sarah versus Mr. Colt on a rooftop. Come on. It needs to happen. It, it needs, needs to, happen. to happen. I'm playing Injustice 2 right now, and this game will be so much better than Injustice 2. <laughs> I don't even know if I like Injustice 2, but I'm playing it. And Wait, you know what? Injustice 2, Shazam's not even in it. What the hell, Warner Brothers? You're not going to put Shazam in Injustice 2? I love Shazam. I'm you're going to so put some excited. guy named Captain Cold, but you're not going to put Shazam? Or Mr. Colt. Or Mr. Colt? You're going to put a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle into the game, but only you're not going to put Shazam? Yeah, they only put one. I Which think the one? other ones are in it. I don't know, the blue one. Okay. All right, anyhow, that's enough of my nonsense. Go ahead. Casey goes up to the roof to help Sarah, which does not go well because Colt's men arrive to uh, surround them. Sarah and Casey are surrounded, but Chuck shows up with the SWAT team. Uh, because this time they are actually surrounded, Colt and his men surrender, and Casey is able to recover the cipher. As he's being carted off, Colt refers to Chuck as Casey's boss, which Casey is not happy with, but I was very happy with. Yes. Chuck's got uh, a lot of confidence this time around, this episode. He's really, he was bluffing a lot, but all of his bluffs were working out for him. Yeah, they, uh, he, he did well. The um, AV Club article that I read about this episode, the, uh, the writer was very happy that uh, Chuck had really come into his own and was using his, his bluffing abilities. Yeah, so, fake it till you make it. Yeah, he's, he's doing well. So with uh, the main conflict of the episode resolved, we uh, follow Casey back to his home and we find out that he has a bonsai tree. I guess he was feeling stressed about the whole murdering Chuck situation, so he's <laughs> just kind of going to town on that thing. Not only does he have a bonsai tree, but he also has a ton of Honey Nut Cheerios and Easy Mac. Did you I see did that not notice that, no. In his kitchen, it's almost completely stocked with Honey Nut Cheerios and Easy Mac. I don't know how, I guess he just works out a lot if that's his uh, main nutritional yeah, I guess stuff. so. He basically yeah. has the same diet as me in college, because that was all I was able to cook <laughs> I <for> remember. <laughs> a lot of Honey Nut Cheerios and Easy Mac. I don't even right. like Easy Mac. I don't... I Yeah, I don't know that anyone likes Easy Mac, but I ate so much Easy Mac, Mac in college. So, Beckman shows up on Casey's screen, and she reminds him that he has to kill Chuck. She says it's time. <laughs> Casey, um... In a rather sweet moment, he kind of goes to Chuck's defense and says that Chuck has served his country with honor, but Beckman, and also Graham shows up, apparently he was off screen, <laughs> they, uh, they tell him that his orders remain the same and that Chuck has served his country with honor and now he will die with honor. <laughs> so, <laughs> very harsh. I was distracted uh, by Graham entering the scene, the shot out of nowhere, and I'm thinking <laughs> of different scenarios, like why that happened. My... My first thought is that he was standing behind a camera that's recording Beckman and like directing her and be like, this is really great. Keep it, keep it going. Keep it going. And then when I he hears Casey that. say something, he's like, what? The? And he has to go in front of the camera. I um, love it. Or it's just he was like, like a YouTube. walking through the office building or wherever they are in the Pentagon <laughs> and he hears Beckman talking to Casey. He's like, what? And then he has to go in there and be like, yo, you have to kill. He just can't help himself. Like, what? No, he can't. <laughs> well, he's just trying to uh, get as much action as he can before he no longer can. Ooh. So I guess since their date the night before didn't go well, uh, Chuck is cooking his uh, dad's recipe of uh, balsamic chicken. He's, uh, he's cooking for Sarah. Meanwhile, Ellie and Devin are going out on a real date. So that's nice. Before they leave, Chuck makes the suggestion that he might backpack through Europe as his uh, his next move. And Devin is like, awesome, dude. Let me tell you about Amsterdam. <laughs> Ellie makes a face, and then Devin is like, oh, uh, lovely city, lots of canals. So I think this is a good <laughs> time to play a game called, is this joke about weed or is this joke about prostitutes? <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Initially, I thought it was weed. But now that he's so weird around Ellie talking about it, maybe it's about the prostitutes. All right, that's uh, that's the conclusion of our game, Wiener Prostitutes. <laughs> a little of both. I was thinking, because at the beginning of the episode, and Chuck is saying, like, oh, I'm going to have career goals or whatever, and he lists mm -hmm. a few jokey things, and mm -hmm. Ellie's like, well, better not be driving the Millennium Falcon or something like that. Mm -hmm. So then when he says right now that he's thinking legitimately about going backpacking through Europe, 
Ellie is weirdly supportive of that, even though backpacking through Europe is also not a career <laughs> plan. Yeah, but it's it's like a nice thing. I don't know. It's kind of like moving forward with his life in some way. So I debatable. Don't know. I think yeah. it's just killing time. So we get a scene where Chuck is making dinner and Casey is sneaking into Chuck's apartment, uh, ready to kill him. We're also cutting to Graham testing out the new intersect. Um, he's in the uh, white room that we're also familiar with, with pictures flashing around. A bunch of agents are there in a line with him wearing sunglasses, which they then take off, presumably to, uh, I don't know, presumably a lot of people are going to be in the intersect now. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what their plan is. Yeah. But my favorite part of the scene was that the twist by Frightened Rabbit was playing. It's a really weird uh, scene for that song to be playing in, but I lost my shit. It was great. Uh, Chuck, the show actually introduced me to Frightened Rabbit, which um, they are one of my favorite bands now. So, thank what? you. I didn't know Chuck. that. Yeah, I, I saw them in New York. What? Rest in peace. Very what? sad. What? Who who died? What? Who? Wait, what? The, the lead singer of Frightened Rabbit uh, died this what? past year. This is a sad, sad fact. Oh, Scott. I'm sorry. Scott is no longer with us. Oh. It's very sad. I didn't know that. Rest in peace, Scott. You, uh, you, you helped us all. That doesn't sound sincere, but it is. I'm very sad about this. I'm using humor to deflect my emotions. This took a weird turn that I was not prepared for. This, I'm sorry, but the, uh, the twist is a wonderful song and great in this scene. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, cipher seems to have been some type of Trojan horse. So as soon as the intersect is done loading, a little message comes up on Graham's screen that says, Welcome, thanks you. And the whole room just explodes. Graham is dead. All of the agents are dead. The Intersect 2.0, kaput. It's it's out of there. I don't know if this was something that I was just being dumb about, but what, did you think that Graham was a secret fulcrum agent and he was okay. blowing up the Intersect, which was the big desktop computer circa 2002? Yeah, I was I was unsure because for a second I wasn't completely paying attention um, in the scene where... Uh, Colt is on the computer talking to the messenger. So I happened to glance up and I just saw like the tail end of that. And for a second, I like I for some reason thought it was going to be Graham. And I was like, oh, that's that's why I don't remember him. It's because he's a fulcrum agent. And then uh, then when this scene was happening, I again thought that he was going to be like he was going to go rogue in some capacity. But in fact, he just dies. Yeah, I thought he was a secret fulcrum agent and he was sacrificing himself for fulcrum. But I might be reading into it. Too I don't much. know that that's true because so the information I found about him is that that actor is Tony Todd, and he had to leave Chuck to uh, he joined the cast of Twenty Four. So he appears in two other Chuck uh, episodes in future seasons in two flashback sequences. Mm-hmm. So I think he just died. I d- I don't think that he is actually like based on that information. I don't think he like comes up as a fulcrum agent. But I guess like okay. I don't remember completely, so it could happen. What's the deal with everyone jumping ship on Chuck? Everyone's <laughs> getting all these other deals to go on other shows, and everyone's like, "Yeah, get me out of Chuck." Yep. I guess they thought it was a sinking ship, but little did they know it was just setting sail. <laughs> and then it sinks a little bit, and then it sets sail again, and then kind of sinks a little bit more, and then it yeah. gets back up, and then it anyhow and it just sinks. Um, Casey is about to shoot Chuck because he obviously does not know about this, uh, this fulcrum situation Mm -hmm. when the doorbell rings and it's Sarah. She has great timing because she says, Chuck, we have to call off the date the intersect was destroyed. She, uh, apparently heard about what happened very quickly and, uh, tells Chuck. So, uh, bad for Chuck, good for the show. Casey, uh, calls off, calls off his mission for now to, uh, go figure out what happened. We move to the next day. Chuck is in mourning because he uh, is still the intersect and he's hanging out in the Bymore, unhappy with his future prospects. We find out that Lester has been hired as assistant manager, I guess. I Like, that scene was weird and I didn't really understand what was happening. But I do have a lot of confusion that the writers or the costume designers or whatever of Chuck seem to think that adult, mature men uh, wear, like, sweater vests and have slicked back hair. Because every time a formerly immature character like gets some modicum of power, that's exactly what they're wearing. I don't, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> would you, would you say, as as a man, do you think uh, that's that's what adulthood equals? Wearing a vest and slicking back your hair. Yeah, 
<laughs> I don't think so, but I appreciate it. That's good. I didn't realize that that was something that, yeah, because they did it with Morgan before. Yeah. With, yeah. I'm going to start dressing like that. Dress okay, the, see what happens. Let me know. Dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. Yes, exactly. I seriously cannot wear vests. Anyhow, go on. <laughs> Just, they don't uh, look good with my body shape. Okay, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask for clarification, but that explains it. So Morgan and Chuck have kind of a nice moment where Morgan kind of repeats what Sarah said at the beginning of the episode, where he says Chuck can do anything he wants. Um, there was another good joke that I think was made specifically for me, where Chuck says he wants to get out of Burbank, and Morgan says, where? To Glendale? Which is uh, a little a little reference for us L.A. folks. A little insider humor for those, <laughs> the few of the people living in uh, the small town of Los Angeles, yeah. California. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan follows <laughs> up by saying he thinks Chuck can do anything, but before he goes off to change the world, Jeff is going to eat 90 Twinkies. Chuck is intrigued. Casey, who is walking by, is not intrigued until Morgan shouts, Jeff might die! And then Casey's super into it. <laughs> we get a kind of weird ending shot of the three of them hurrying out of the store from like, it's like from the ground up down an aisle. But, you know, it's a nice, nice camaraderie between the male characters of Chuck, and thus ends episode one of season two. Can I just say, even though we're We'll talk about the episode again and big picture what we thought about it in a moment. But I actually really, really like this ending of Chuck. Yeah, or this I thought episode, it was nice. Because it's different. Because usually they do a cliffhanger or it's revealing a big plot point that's going to be elaborated on in the following episode. Mm -hmm. But I like this because um, with the themes of Chuck trying to figure out what he wants to do or what, what his life is going to look like in the big picture, that it's okay that he doesn't have that figured out and that he can still enjoy the small idiosyncrasies of the Bymore while he's there. I appreciate wow. it. And that Casey's also able to appreciate working at the Bymore and being on the Chuck job as long as he is. So I appreciate the ending. I thought it was That's awesome. a really uh, nice and mature way of looking at it. And I, um, I'm happy that you came to this uh, rationalization of this. Thanks. I also, I also do really like the end of this episode. I do like ending on cliffhangers. I think there is a reason that they do that, but I think mm -hmm. it is a pretty bold move to end the uh, first episode of a season with like this kind of just pleasant ending. Yes, that's great. Great. So we're going to introduce a new segment now for this show called "It's Time for the Home Theater Room," Woo! where we enter the Buy More Home Theater Room to watch some home movies from our own lives. <laughs> Specifically in the context of this episode, uh, this episode is Chuck versus the first date. So the home videos that we will be watching today, if you'll join us in the home theater room, are talking about bad first dates that we've had. How exciting. I always love to relive these types of moments. I have so, I feel like I have a lot, but I also don't know how many of them you already know of. So do you... I, don't, I can't think of any first dates that you've been on that were bad. So uh, really? I don't, maybe maybe none of them. I've done a good job of lying and covering up my past then. <laughs> so I was thinking about this a lot, and there's a lot to choose from. Not that many, because I haven't been on that many dates. But I think the the unequivocally the worst first date that I went on was when I was in high school. I just graduated high school, and I was working in retail uh, for my okay. first retail job. And mm -hmm. I was working with just so many just teenage girls and i was so stoked about it because i was like one of the only guys there and i was like I, the odds are good here the odds <laughs> gotta gotta so, uh think i'm think i'm gonna win so <laughs> nice way of looking at it a lot of respect <laughs> i because I, I didn't have much luck like in my high school so i was thinking like this is a different town these are completely different people like i would you know maybe at least i can date someone here one of the girls that I was crushing on, um, I somehow managed to have her agree to go on a date with me, which I don't know how I was able to do that, <laughs> but I was super excited. Um, and we agreed to, we're going to go to the state park and we were going to go kayaking at the state park. Okay, that's actually nice. Yes. So I was ready, like, you know, and we had picked a time that we we're going to meet and we we're going to meet in the parking lot of the store that we worked at. So it was like a halfway point for both of us. Mm -hmm. We both knew where it was. Um, I get there in my 2001 Chevy Cavalier, sitting there, getting amped up. Painting the scene. And then she texts me and says that she's on her way. I'm like, okay, cool. And I sit there for an hour. Oh, no. <laughs> by myself in my car. And then she shows up. And she shows up, not by herself, but with another one of our friends who also worked at the store. Oh, no. So it was like a three-person thing. 
And then I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it'll be like a friend group thing. And we, I drive us there. And we were there for like 45 minutes, maybe yeah. an hour before, because mm-hmm. both of them were working. So they needed mm-hmm. to be back anyways. So then we had to call it early. And I had to drive us back to the store <laughs> and left them there. And I just like went back and continued about my day. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was so bad. What I mean, I mean, it's a third wheel. Huh? What happened later? Did you ever did you two ever talk about this? I don't know. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but it was pretty clear that she was that was like a mercy date that she was giving me. It's just like, I'll throw you a bone, but I need to have a friend come with me. So it's not miserable. I don't want you getting the wrong idea. Um, so, well, yeah. sorry. Sorry, uh, past Chris. It sounds like a bad one. It's OK. All right. So that was the it's time for the home theater room. So we'll head out of the home theater room and on to another segment that we're calling It's a Sign. It's a sign. So this is a segment where we highlight some of the best signs and or posters in this episode of Chuck and potentially break down some of their uh, larger meanings, larger context, larger uh, symbolism, imagery, all those uh, good things that we learned about at Emerson. uh, So I have three to highlight. I'll uh, go in order of, um, I I wouldn't say worst because they're all pretty good, but I'll go from least exciting to most exciting. So in the Buy More, there's an ad presumably for cameras, and it says makes big bright images and big bright smiles. So that's just that's just a nice one, you you know, big big bright images, big bright smiles. Nice nice to see, good things. Mm-hmm. My my next favorite is actually one that is verbally called out in the episode by Casey, which is uh, I guess this seems to be like the slogan of the Orange Orange. It's printed on the counter for the orange orange, and it mm. says yogurt and fun. Those are two things that I like. I also associate yogurt with fun, so that's <laughs> nice. My uh, my sign that I would like to highlight for this episode, though, mm. is the uh, apparent slogan of the nerd herd, mm-hmm. which is geek chic, dot, 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 in overdrive. So, Chris, I, I wanted to break that down a little bit. Okay. Okay, so geek chic is a nice... A nice rhyme. That's some nice wordplay. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the chic is referring to. I guess like, they're wearing ties. Yeah, I, I guess. But then we have the in overdrive, and not just in overdrive, but like an ellipses and then in overdrive. So, what do you think geek chic in overdrive means? That they wear ties and they drive cars that are fast, so they'll get to your location quickly. Okay, I I think that's a good interpretation and actually works for the marketing of the nerd herd. Mm-hmm. I did think it was a bold choice that they are referencing the geek squad and are very adamant about not using the word geek, but mm-hmm. in this slogan they use the word geek. But I guess uh, yeah, nerd true. chic doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, why wouldn't they say nerd something or other? Nerd, nerd vibes? Ner- nerd vibes, yeah, nerd vibes in overdrive. There we go. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's that's it's a sign. Stay tuned for more signs. Maybe we maybe we wouldn't be as confused if we were able to visit other Burbank or not other Burbanks, but other Bymores besides mm-hmm. one in Burbank. Because what if like all the other um, nerd herds are really like handsome and chic and they're all really Ooh. cool and sexy and they're really fast and competent, but the Burbank well, do one remember... is just really kind of sad and pathetic. I do remember they go to a Bymore in Colorado in season five. So uh, we can uh, put a pin in this until season five. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Great. All right, so that was it's a sign. Now it's time to jump into our other segment, one of our favorite segments, Chuck Mary Kill. Chuck one Mary part, Kill. Uh, one part of this episode that we want to marry. One part of this episode that we would like to kill. Aaron, what would you like to kill? I would like to kill Anna's weird interview plotline. <laughs> I didn't, um, I really liked the idea that, because the way I saw that going was that Anna and Morgan were both going to be interviewing for this job, and Anna wanted Morgan to leave the room because she felt uncomfortable because he was her boyfriend, and she wanted to, like, really do her best and, Mm -hmm. like, not be overshadowed by him, and I thought it would be cool to see Anna as, like, a boss figure and really coming into her own, but instead it was just that she wanted to make Morgan jealous and was just, like, kind of... See, like she would, she was saying things to Chuck, like, um, like, what do you think he thinks we're doing in here? And like, was like trying to play footsies with him and things like that. And it just wasn't, wasn't a super good look for one of the few female characters on this show. And it just, I didn't, I didn't think we needed it. I think she could have either not been interviewing or could have like done an actual, like, comical interview like the two other men. 
Mm -hmm. that didn't have to be related to her relationship to Morgan. Mm -hmm. So I'd nix it. I'd nice. kill it. That's yeah, a pretty good. You? That's a pretty good kill shot right there. Yeah. You, you're you were uh, dangling from the roof, and then you just dropped it. You I dropped it. it. Yep, it's dead now. Um, I have to. I think my kill for this episode. I'm obligated to oppose any major and/or frequent use of Huey Lewis music <laughs> in any kind of pop culture, uh, aside from American Psycho. I will let that slide. But otherwise, I uh, I really do not like Huey Lewis. I cannot stand Huey Lewis actually, and I was upset in this episode because for a brief moment I was like, do I like this use of Huey Lewis <laughs> when Hip to Be a Square was on? Because I'm like, I'm happy for Chuck, so then I'm feeling, I feel like those emotions are transferring okay. over to my, my feelings about Huey Lewis. I was like, wait a second, no, I can't feel like this. <laughs> don't, don't be happy about Huey Lewis. Uh, don't like Huey Lewis. So cheesy. So lame. So bad. <sighs> Anyhow, okay, what would you like to marry in this episode? So, I don't, I, it seems we have different feelings about this, but I really liked, um, this was something that worked for me in the pilot episode, and it worked for me again here, where there's a strong tie-in between some kind of arbitrary, nerdy information that Chuck learns from Morgan or someone else at mm -hmm. the Bymore, and then uses later to get out of a jam. Mm -hmm. I really liked that he used Morgan's confusing Call of Duty plan uh, to get out of the situation with Colt. I thought that was very smart on Chuck's part, and as as I've said before, I like seeing Chuck using, using that big brain. It's nice to... Uh, it's nice to see, and I think that he is portrayed as a smart and, uh, like, a, a character who has things going for him mentally, and I like to see uh, him taking charge and using the information that he gains, kind of like in Slumdog Millionaire, when he, uh, he learns some stuff, and then it applies to situations later in his life. It's nice. Nice to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a really good point. It, it is good that he uses kind of, like, his nerdiness i guess you would call it to yeah. succeed in the spy world and he's yeah. he's being true to himself and he has his own talents that he's bringing yeah. to the table yeah it's silly Definitely but it's good, good. yeah it what works. about you what would you like to marry um from my marry this week is a more of a technical thing okay. um, i guess i really like the choice to use a lot of jump cuts in this episode for yeah, comedic it did, effect uh, it, yeah it, it heightened it. It, it, it this episode seemed to move very fast i'm a big fan of jump cuts and especially when they're used as a creating a punchline for yeah. either i mean i really like the like oh casey would be dying if he knew it would kill him if he knew that we were on a date that was really funny um and then the one with morgan doing the cage fighting yeah. also funny i think there was another one too that there were a couple yeah i, I like that tone and i like the the pace and i think it was clever and i don't think that they do it too often Oh, in the episodes that we've seen before, but I appreciated yeah. it. Yeah, I did so. like that style. Great. So now we're going to move on to another new segment for this season called the Scooter Scale. The Scooter Scale. It should have a. We should have a theme song for the Scooter Scale. Which is named after, of course, Scooter, the uh, manager of the Wienerlicious, who's Got no longer soon. in Chuck. Uh, so the Scooter Scale, but it's how we are going to rank episodes of Chuck moving forward in terms of. Um, corn dogs or wieners? How many? What, what's the unit of measurement in this case? Please, please don't make me say wieners every episode. It has to be corn dogs. All right, so it has to be corn dogs. So uh, zero to five corn dogs. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Zero to five corn dogs. Uh, zero being a not enjoyable episode. Five being an episode that we really liked. So, Aaron, on the scooter scale, how many corn dogs would you give this episode? I'm going to give it a four. Four? Okay. Yeah, I really had a good time with this episode. I thought mm -hmm. that um, I liked, as you're saying, I liked the technical things. I liked the comedy. I liked the jump cuts. I liked the all-around plot of this episode. I thought it was a very good way to bring us back into the world of Chuck. It wasn't weighed down with uh, like explanation of what happened last season. I thought we got a little bit of that, and then we kind of jumped into everything. Mm -hmm. But I thought that what we saw was setting up uh, some very interesting things for the following season, and I liked the way that everything was introduced. So, four corn dogs it is. Four corn dogs, very nice. I'm going to go ahead and say five corn dogs. Ooh. I really liked this episode. It was really firing on all cylinders for me. I thought it was funny. It was smart, uh, action packed. Um, I thought some of the stuff was kind of you were the the plot line of like, oh, are they going to kill Chuck or are they mm -hmm. going to? Is Chuck going to return to his normal life? Um, mm -hmm. Some of that may have been, you know, if you're thinking about the show as a show, you're like, well, they're not going to kill the main character in the the premiere of the second season, so you probably can bet that he's not going to die. 
Mm-hmm. But that didn't really turn me off too much. I really, I really liked this episode. I thought it was great. It was the first episode that I watched in a while, and I was very amped for the rest of the season based on this episode. So yeah. five corn dogs, four and five corn, five dogs. corn dogs. Very positive, very positive feedback from us on Chuck versus the first date. Looking forward to the rest of season two. I think it's going to be a good one. I think so too. I'm I'm very excited. I have been texting you a little bit. I don't know if I mentioned this in our last episode, but I've been missing Chuck in my life. And I am very excited to have him back. Mm-hmm. Especially He's with back. his hairy chest. Very right. nice. Looking good. His hairy chest? Not his hairy tang, though. No, not his hairy tang. Just the hairy Rest chest. Rest in peace, Harry. Have fun in Hawaii with your <laughs> wife. All right. Well, that is all for this week on Go Check Yourself. Make sure you subscribe. You tweet at us. You follow us on Twitter. You email Leave us. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. That would be awesome. Give that us a great. shout out in our email. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Yes. It will be a two-way street. You give us a shout-out in the email, we give you a shout-out on the show, and that's how that will work. So until next time, I've been Chris Gillespie telling you that food is sexy. And I've been Erin Arata, and I need this reminder now more than ever, letting you know that anything is possible. All right, take care. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.